you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Let's give God praise one more time in the house today. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Come on, sing it with me. Every hour I need thee Oh bless me now my Savior I come to Let it ring out from your soul now. Say, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Come on, anybody feel that way this morning? Every hour I need thee. My Savior, I come to Thee. Come on, lift your hands toward heaven and say, I need Thee. Oh, I. Every hour, every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior.
Oh, let's thank him for his presence this morning. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'll take your attention to the book of Psalm chapter 61. And I will begin with verse number 2 and use this as an inroad into what I feel the Lord would have me speak this morning. Psalm chapter 61 and verse number 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. And here's what I want. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Anybody need that rock this morning? That place of refuge. Lord, help us this morning. Speak into our hearts, our minds, and our spirits today. Lord, I pray for every person in this room this morning that every bit of confusion and question in the minds and hearts of people, Lord, would be resolved today as we understand the incredible opportunity we have to run to your feet and cast our cares upon you for you care for us. And I bless you today and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord today. When my heart is overwhelmed, anybody in this house ever feel overwhelmed? All of us at one time or another deal with situations of feeling overwhelmed. My wife and I raised twins. I know it sounds a little humorous to you, but those of you who have the, had the experience of raising twins understand. We used to tell people, I used to say, I wouldn't take anything for our twins, but I wouldn't wish them on my worst enemy. How many of you have raised children of your own? Remember how tired you would get when you had to get up at those 3 a.m. feedings and diaper changes? Remember how tired you get? When you double that, it's not just twice as hard because you're already tired. You're already worn out. It goes from twice as hard to about 10 times as hard, or at least that's what my wife tells me. All of us from time to time deal with situations that leave us feeling overwhelmed. I've been walking that road. I'm standing before you this morning preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anyone in this room. When the deadline that we don't think we can meet keeps moving toward us, when the clock seems to move faster than we can move. Somebody said this morning, when the body just, your mind tells your body what to do, but your body just won't do what your mind is telling it to do. Ain't nobody going to help the preacher this morning. When the chores just keep mounting up and you already had a list to do and now you have more. 
When you think you can't get it done and somebody asks you, could you go ahead and add this to your list? When people press us for answers that we're not prepared to give. When people need us to lend them an ear when we are running over with problems of our own and just want somebody to hear our own problem and we can't possibly think about hearing someone else's. A broken relationship that won't heal. Pressure that won't seem to be relieved. When time seems to be working against us and not in our favor. Am I preaching anybody into depression yet? I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. David found himself at a point of being completely overwhelmed. When David used the word overwhelmed, he, I, I just looked into the original. Sometimes the text explodes because we lose so much sometimes in translation. Sometimes there's a lot added in translation. And so we try to find that balance to see what was it that David was actually saying when he was saying, when my heart is overwhelmed. When my heart, he was saying, is besieged or under attack. Now does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not just talking about your finances being under attack or your health being under attack, but when your heart is under attack. Besieged, meaning the army has moved in and overtaken. You're still there. You're still existing. You're still living, but you can't move. You are pinned down. You are besieged. The Bible uses the same word. When it talks about one army besieging another, meaning it had overwhelmed, it had overtaken, it had pinned them down and left them without options when my heart is overwhelmed. Can I bring it to you like I feel it this morning and tell you when my heart is weighted down with the stress of life until I feel like I don't have the energy to keep moving? I'm going to go ahead and say what I really believe this morning. If somebody walks to you and tells you that depression that you may be battling is only a spiritual problem and that if you would pray more that the answer would come and that it would end, I come this morning to, to refute that. There are some things in life that overwhelm us and push us to a point where we don't know what to do. We take it to God in prayer. Yes, the most important thing that we can do. I'm no, I don't have time this morning to get into all of it. You're going to want to be here on our Wednesday nights moving forward after next Wednesday night. And we're going to talk about some things that's going to help us. But when my heart is overwhelmed, this is where David was. 
Of course David had faults and failures, but the man after God's own heart had a moment when his heart was overwhelmed. That's right, the chief musician, the psalmist, the songwriter, the one that danced before the Lord, the one whom we take so much of our apostolic Pentecostal worship from the antics of one like David. That's right, it was that David that danced and worshipped and shouted. It was that David that was emotional and loved the Lord but reached a point when he said, my heart's overwhelmed. Here's the idea. He didn't just say, once in my life my heart was overwhelmed, but he said, when my heart is overwhelmed. The, the, the text gives the idea that it is not a one-time experience, but there are times through life that your heart is going to be overwhelmed. You're going to deal with death. You're going to deal with broken relationships. You're going to deal with family problems and financial struggles. And all of these things are going to move you to your very core until it's not just one thing in life that is overwhelmed, but you reach the point until your heart is overwhelmed. Is this okay this morning? When your heart is overwhelmed, the text uses the word overwhelmed, meaning there is darkness and calamity that seem to cover, or one writer used the word to envelop or envelope his soul. It completely encapsulated his very innermost being when he was completely overwhelmed. You've all been underwhelmed. We talk about that from time to time. Children in school, when they are not challenged and they, they get into problems because they're underwhelmed, meaning they're not challenged. They don't have enough to do. But this morning, most of those are in classrooms this morning. But I'm talking to some adults that are living real life, that are paying bills, some that are dealing with financial struggles, physical struggles, relationship struggles, problems that nobody else knows about, issues on the job, time constraints. I'm talking to some adults this morning that you're not underwhelmed, but you're overwhelmed, meaning the enemy has come against you to a point. Life has come at you to a point until your heart is feeling overwhelmed, meaning that there is darkness and calamity that seems to cover you and envelop your soul. You see no light. You feel like you have no confidant. You have nobody that will listen to you, nobody you can talk to, or if you do, it seems like the burden is not lifted. When my heart is overwhelmed, I, don't, I didn't come this morning with intention to preach a message of gloom and despair, but I came this morning to try to preach some hope to you because there is a way to handle a heart that is overwhelmed. And there are some things that I want to draw from this passage and help you with this morning. Because David used the term, he begins this text. He says, from the end of the earth will I cry. The, 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 the technical aspect of this verse means that David has ran out to his very limit. He uses the term to the, from the end of the earth, meaning that he had, the, the writers say that they believe that he, has, he had searched 
everything. He had gone as far as he could go. And when he had gone to the end of the earth, when he had gone as far as he can go, understand the poetic uh, conjecture here in which he is drawing from. He says from the end of the earth, when he had tried everything he knew to do and he's standing on the very edge of the earth, after he had gone to the end of the earth, proverbially speaking. And at that point, when my heart is still overwhelmed, can I preach to you for a few minutes? Sometimes we are overwhelmed by things because we, we aren't doing anything to help ourselves. Sometimes the overwhelm comes because we just want to focus on us and, and, and we don't really want to do anything and we're, we're frustrated. You know, we, we can't pay bills, but we're spending more than we're making. We can't pay bills, but we don't want to get out of bed to go to work. I know I'm not preaching to any of you. I'm drawing some parallels this morning to life. When you're not doing anything to help yourself, when you keep repeating the same things over and over again, wondering why that you're not getting different results, that's one thing. But it's another thing when you say, my goodness, I have done everything I know to do. I have worked my fingers to the bone. I have cut everywhere I know to cut. I have reached. I have loved. I have cared for. I have done everything that I, I have gone to the end of the earth for them. Now, is anybody with me this morning? When you feel like you've gone to the end of the earth, this is where David writes from that point of view. Now, if you're with me in the text this morning, David said, I have gone to the end of the earth for them. When I have gone to the end of the earth, he said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Oh, now I want to turn the corner just a little bit if I can and try to help you with a little hope this morning because if you will never forget where you cry, even when you've gone to the end of the earth, there is one that you can still cry to. Don't ever forget that God is on your side. He hasn't quit on you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't turned his back on you. He is there for you from the end of the earth. I cried unto thee. But I didn't just cry. He goes ahead and says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He uses the term lead me because he simply was so overwhelmed that he couldn't find his own way. Is anybody identifying with what I'm preaching this morning? When he had gone as far as he could, he cries to the Lord, says, lead me to the rock you got to lead me there because I have tried everything and done everything I know to do, but I need somebody to lead me back to the rock. I need somebody to help me. This is why that it is important that brothers and sisters are not hurting one another and cutting one another down and pushing one another out. But you know what we need? We need somebody to come alongside us when we are going through the darkest of valleys and put their arm around us and say, come on, I know you may be under, you may be overwhelmed and you may be under it, but I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you. 
Oh, I'm just going to preach what I feel this morning. I grew up. I grew up in a church when it was a little more. It was a little more prevalent than what I see it today. It seems today we want to leave everybody alone. And well, if they want to go to the altar, they can go to the altar. But sometimes we maybe have lost a little something in the apostolic church because I remember when some spiritual folks used to notice somebody that's sitting across the aisle or across the church building, and they knew they were under it and they were going through it and they were stressed by it, and the preacher had. Preached and the singers had sung and everything had happened but they're not quite moving and they just make their way over to them not in some judgmental way but they just go over to them and put an arm around them and say come on let's go to the front together you know what they're doing they're saying come on I'm going to lead you to the rock that is higher because you're overwhelmed and I'm just going to help you I'm going to be a friend I'm going to be your burden bearer I'm going to lift you up come on we need some folks that get back to some of the old ways of the church and Say, I see a brother or sister struggling. Come on, I'm going to take them to the front with me. I'm going to go pray with them. I'm going to go straight. Lead me to the rock. I don't think I have to go into it with you this morning. There's some good folks in this house that knows the word of God. And I can come to you to tell you this morning that God is that rock. I don't have time to preach that out this morning, but everywhere he was, he was the rock in the wilderness. He was a stone that was hewn out of the mountain. Jesus is the rock. And I'm going to tell you, you have nowhere else that you can go to, but when you are at the end of the earth, uh, when you have gone as far as you can go, and when your heart is overwhelmed, uh, I just need somebody to lead me to where Jesus is. Uh, because when I get to where he is, uh, I find him him as the rock. He is the sure foundation. He is the rock from which the water of life will flow. Come on somebody. You need to understand the power of being led to the rock of our salvation. To the stone that the builders rejected. The rock is higher than I, he said. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Here is an important part of this text. In the truest te textural division of this passage, David declares that Jesus, the rock, is above him. Everybody say he's above me. He's over me. His ways are higher than our ways. I'm going to preach here for a little while this morning because sometimes when your heart is overwhelmed, you get frustrated and wonder, does God even know where you are? But I come this morning to tell you, he's already been where you are and he's already out the other side of where you are because you're tempted in no ways except the ways that he has already been tempted. He's already gone through it. He's already provided a way for it. He's already come out the other side of it. And when your heart is overwhelmed, he's not overwhelmed because God is in control of everything even what troubles you and I God is still in control of it can I preach for a little while 
Even the things that worry you, your greatest fears, your greatest worries, God is in control of it. Before my wife ever got a diagnosis of cancer in her body two years ago, God had already, he, he wasn't surprised by it. We were shocked. We were knocked back. We were overwhelmed by it. But God wasn't overwhelmed because he already knew the end from the beginning. He already knew every, every crook and cranny. He already knew everywhere that we were going to go because he already had been through it. He already had planned it. He already knew that the report, Brother Gary, good to see you in the house this morning. He had a great report this morning. We've been praying about it, but God already knew. He already had a plan for it. He already had worked it out. He already knew what the report was going to be. But somewhere through the process of it, he said, I'll let you get to a point to where your heart is overwhelmed so that you'll run to the rock that is higher than you. And he will prove that he'll be your God. He will be your shelter. He will be your fortress. The same writer, he said, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me, he says. Whether you believe it or not, God is in control of the details of your life. He's not just in control of the great big giant things on whether you're saved, whether you're eternal destination, but God is in control of the very smallest of things in your life. He's in control of the details of your life. You may not be afraid of it. You may be, you may be struggling. You may be wondering, what in the world? I've, I've got these situations that cause me to fear, that cause me to worry. You're suffering from it. Maybe you're getting over it or dealing with it now. But the truth is, is in the middle of all of it, God is in control of it. Because he lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God is already over it. He's already above it. Psalm 103, same writer. Psalm 103 verse 19, David declares, indeed God reigns over everything. I want you just to say that with me. God reigns over it. God reigns over everything, even the smallest things. When your heart is overwhelmed, God is still reigning over it. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. I know some of you are weary and you came in tired today, but I'm going to tell you that the very thing that's caused you to become weary in well-doing, the very thing that has overwhelmed you, the very thing that has frustrated you, the very thing that you were that you were stressed out over, God is ruling over it. God is reigning over it. If I can get you to believe that God is above it today, if I can get you to, you will say, well, all I've got to do is get to him because look, if he's reigning, and over it and I can get to him that means when I get to him I'm also over it because if I get to the rock that's higher than I I'm going to leave everything that's with me here and I'm going to get to a place I've never been before in God and I'm above whatever I just was battling if God truly is in control reigns over everything, then why have we seen the degree in which so many have become so emboldened in their evil? It seems every form of media presents the foolishness of men defying God and the ways of God. Everywhere we turn, we're seeing all sorts of godliness and 
It is in society more rampant than I've ever seen before. They're pushing their agendas. They're fighting against anything and everything that has anything to do with God. Indeed, it is the spirit of Antichrist. John said it was already working even in his day. But I'm going to tell you the spirit of Antichrist today is so powerful. It is everywhere you turn. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere, which is a sign of the end time. I'm not talking about the man of perdition. I'm not talking about the Antichrist. I'm talking about the spirit of Antichrist. Everything that exalts itself above God or the things of God is the spirit of Antichrist. And John said way back then it's already at work today and I'm telling you everywhere you look turn to any news media outlet to look anywhere you want in any political arena everywhere you turn it is things that are anti-God anti-Christ anti-church anti-morality anti-godliness I come this morning to tell you that God reigns over every bit of it men have dwindled God and pushed God down why is is it that we see men so emboldened in their, e- in their evil? I believe it stands as an absolute testimony to the fact that God has been diminished in the minds of so many people. Even faithful people of God, if we're not careful, will get our eyes on the struggle and on the problem and take it off of God. People see God ruling over everything else, but he can't rule over my life. In some people's minds, if God exists at all, he is more small rather than giant. He is more weak rather than powerful. They think that he is too deaf to hear their plea and too blind to see their plight. His arm is too short to reach them. His heart is too small to love them and to understand them. The emboldened lifestyles of millions, particularly those in high places, stands as a silent witness to their view of God. Our out-of-orbit world and its government's systems seek to belittle God and to bring God down, and to make God small, and to make the problems greater than our God. If we're not careful, we will lose faith, and our faithlessness will cause us to be overwhelmed. Hollywood, the news media, political arenas, seemingly have waged war on everything that represents God or any form of righteousness. They celebrate the unholy and magnify sinfulness. There appears to be a conspiracy of darkness and evil to put a distance between man and his maker. And even some in the church have separated themselves from the closeness of a very personal God. A God that is with them. A God that walks with them and talks with them 
a God that goes with them through everything. Instead, they begin to see God from a distance. Eventually, viewing God from afar will contribute to a diminished concept of God. Viewing God from a distance and forgetting that this is a personal, up-close relationship causes our view of God to be diminished. Thus why David had to return again and again and he tells us, oh, magnify the Lord with me. What was David meaning when he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together? He uses the word magnify and exalt. Both, both phrases are seemingly saying magnify you know what it is to magnify? It's to make something larger than it actually is. My glasses have bifocals. The work of the bifocals are to do one thing, to magnify. It makes the print larger than it actually is so that I can see it more clearly. When David says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, same writer that says, when my heart is overwhelmed, it's the same guy that's dealing with this because he understands the concept that we are viewing God from a long distance. How is it that the moon, which is much smaller than the earth and incredibly smaller than the sun, can block out the view of the sun and cause a total eclipse. How does it happen? It's the same way that a spiritual eclipse happens. Because we get God so far away that it doesn't take a very big problem that is up close to us until we can't see. I could come to where you are today and tell you that this is an enormous building I think this building is somewhere around 14,000 square feet. Uh, 14, yes, 14,000 square feet. I could take you outside and you look at this building and say, wow, it's wonderful. But if I can get you far enough away from it that I could take a small object that's less than a half a foot square and place it in front of your eyes, you would not see what is obviously larger. Because it has to do with the distance, the distance we are from God causes us to begin to allow little problems. And the preacher preaches and the family don't understand and the church is wondering what in the world is going on. It's because we have pushed God so far away that the very smallest of problems are up close and personal until it has blurred our vision and now our heart is overwhelmed and I can't see him. When you're blinded, by the circumstances of life. When you're blinded by the problems of life, there is only one, one thing that you can do. You need somebody to lead you. You need somebody to take you. 
I've rose to this pulpit this morning to declare to you that God has not walked away from you. You may have put distance between you and God. God didn't walk away from you. As a matter of fact, his word said, if you'll draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. God's not running from you. If you take a step toward him, he'll take two steps toward you. He's not trying to hide from you. Move toward him, he'll move toward you. When your heart is overwhelmed, it's usually because we have put too much distance between man and his maker. And now we need somebody to help us get closer to God so that the problem looks smaller and God looks bigger because God is reigning over everything, because God is in charge of everything, because God has got everything in control. I'm certain that our blurred vision of him is not coincidence. God has become small in our sight because we are viewing him from too far away. God has dwindled in our mind, in our thoughts, and in our concepts because instead of God being the first thing that we think about, he starts being when we've tried everything and everything has failed. Now I'll try Jesus. Instead of trying him first, we celebrate the healing of the woman that touched the hem of his garment. But for 12 years she suffered of many physicians. She spent everything that she had until she had nothing left to spend and then she went to Jesus what a backward concept of the opportunity that you and I have with Jesus Christ because the opportunity that we have is to go to him first don't wait until life has overwhelmed you because if you will draw near unto him he will draw nigh unto you and I came to remind you today that God is still in charge. He's still in control. What has happened is that you've gone to the end of the earth, the proverbial earth, and your heart is overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. And you think some massive change in your life is going to be the answer. But the truth is you just need to get closer to God. Mistakenly, man has managed God out of the picture, out of the equation of life. Man now rules over the festivals of life, and God is no longer a consideration in the minds of, me, of many. He has become, he, he has become a, fig, a, a figure in ancient history, and, and, but far too antiquated for this modern day and modern society. And as man has moved God so far away from them, and they have moved so far away from God, God, we wonder why so many lives of people that we are around are filled with despair, living without peace, living without victory, living without joy, living without excitement, living without enthusiasm, suffering from depression, suffering from all sorts of things that are overwhelming them. It's because we are viewing God from too far away. Here's what you need to do. Come on, somebody. Help me this morning and lead me to the rock that is higher than I because because if I can get to Jesus, uh, he's, he will feel the longing. If I can get to Jesus, he will be the answer. The 
same writer in Psalm 73. I could go all through this text and go all morning and I'll stop belaboring the point here in just a moment when I'm finished preaching. In Psalm 73, verses 27 and 28, he says, for those that perish are far from me. But then David turns around and says, but it's good for me to draw near unto God. James chapter 4, he says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. The issue is, is we have God so far apart. Thomas was so comfortable with his criticism of his fellow disciples, and he said they're dreaming, just imagining. They didn't, he didn't even believe in the risen Savior. He didn't even believe them when they're saying, we saw him. He resurrected from the tomb. We saw him. Thomas is arguing with the disciples. He's saying that can't possibly be true. He believed, he believed that they were covering up for their failure to follow Follow Jesus, and he said, "I will not believe him, uh, believe you, or believe in him, or believe that he resurrected, unless I can thrust my hand into his wounds." Thomas was bold and in his unbelief, like many Christians of today. Oh, I don't know if I believe in all of that. I don't know if I believe what the preacher's preaching, unless I. It was. It was. Sounds like Thomas. He was a man that was full of unbelief, a man that had seen all the things, but yet after his death, he became emboldened in his unbelief. But when Thomas drew near to where Jesus was, and he saw him up close and personal, and he reached out his hand and he touched him in his side and he felt the nail prints in his hand. David, uh, 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 Thomas said, my Lord and my God. You see what happened? It was all about the distance. As long as he's somewhere else and people are just telling him about God, he's saying, that, that there's no way. No, there's no way. He's arguing it away. But when he got close enough to where he could touch him, he declares he's not just their Lord and their God, but I believe that he has resurrected. He's my Lord and he is my God. Oh, how the perspective changes when our distance between us and God changes. I'm calling the church this morning. It's time that we draw near unto the Lord. We need to develop our prayer life all over again. We need to get back to daily communion with God. We need to get back in the Word. We need to get back into fasting and prayer so that we draw near unto God because when you draw near to Him, He will draw near unto you. I wish somebody this morning would decide to get close enough to Him to remember God's still in control of everything. God hasn't left me anywhere. God hasn't, He hasn't walked away from I wish somebody would declare this morning I'm not leaving this house until I get close enough to him that I can reach out and I can touch him because God's reigning over everything you're struggling with this morning when Elisha's servant was withering at the side of the Syrians the prophet's cry was Lord Open his eyes so that he can see. And when he drew near, the Bible said, he, 
he saw flaming horsemen and chariots of God standing guard over God's men. Did he physically, literally see that? I kind of doubt it. I think it was a spiritual metaphor that he is seeing. It was literally, it was not something that was physical that he was seeing. It was something that was spiritual that he was seeing. I come this morning to tell you, when you get close enough for, to God, that, that, that your problems begin to diminish and you begin to see God high and lifted up, instead of seeing the sickness, you start seeing somebody that is already made whole. Instead of seeing the problem, you start already seeing the solution. The highest thing in Job's day that he could possibly imagine and see were the stars. Job said, behold the moon and the stars. And here's what he said, does not God reign over them? Isaiah said, whom will you liken unto God? Or whom can you compare unto him? He reigns over everything and there's nobody like Jesus. A few years ago, the scientists at NASA were astonished at man's ability to develop technology to take pictures of stars. And they could take these incredible pictures and they were posting them everywhere. And everywhere you looked, you were seeing pictures of stars and people were wondering and some were criticizing and saying they came from different parts of the world. But let's not forget that while man is rejoicing at the ability that they have created the technology to take pictures of stars, that God made the stars. And he made them with the power of his word. And Job said, all we've heard of him so far is just a whisper. I want, you to get it. I want you to get what I'm saying to you this morning. When Job is looking at all, when Job is looking at all of the creation of God, he's looking at the earth and the moon and he's looking at the galaxies and he's looking at the stars and he says all of this and he says, and all we've heard of him is a whisper. <laughs> and we're asking God to start talking. Anybody with me this morning? All we've heard of him is a whisper. If a whisper calls the earth and the moon and the stars and the galaxies and we're asking for a word over our personal situations, he, God doesn't even have to give you a word because if a whisper caused everything to happen, all we need, need to do is we just need God's presence to be there because if his presence is there, the things that we're dealing with are much less uh, than the earth and the moon and the stars and the galaxies and everything that Job saw that were just a whisper of God all I need is just the presence of God because if I can get in his presence, I don't even have to have a word. I don't need a prophet. I don't, all I need is his presence. And when God got ready to create the stars, he didn't call a committee in heaven. The scripture declares it and describes it in only five words. It just says, and he made the stars also. That's all the Bible says about it. And he made the stars also. Everything that we see was just a whisper of God. And then he made the stars also. When God got ready to create the stars, all he, he, just, he just did that also. What's the point? It's the thread all through the scripture. God is in control of everything. God is in charge of your life. 
and the things that you are overwhelmed by, God is not overwhelmed by it. As a matter of fact, all you need is his presence, and those things can dissipate when my heart is overwhelmed. I'm uh, swiftly arriving at a close when my heart is overwhelmed. I, I, I don't know what you may be experiencing or going through this morning. You may be under it, but God is in control of it. You may be going through it, but God's already out the other side of it. God's not worried about the things you're worried about because he already has control. The only thing you need to do is draw closer to him so that you can see him more clearly. He's not fretting over the things you're fretting over. He isn't afraid of the things that you're afraid of because he reigns over all of it. He is the rock that is higher than I. He's not pointing us to some destination and saying, if you can get there, it's the answer. There is the problem of man. It is the hopeful world of elsewhere. If I can just get there. If I can get through high school, the students think. If I can get through college, then it's if I can just get married or if I can just have children or if I can just reach retirement. Men are always looking at what's the next step and then all of a sudden we waste our whole life away being overwhelmed instead of understanding we're right where God wants us to be. And right where you are is the best place you could possibly be. What you need to do is just get closer to God. Because when you get closer to God, the overwhelming things that you find in your life will not be nearly as overwhelming because he is the rock that is higher than I. I'm closing this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 1, the apostle Paul in the New Testament declares, far above, everybody say above. Here's what he said, far above all principalities, that spiritual wickedness, all above, all above all principalities, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. He's far above it, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And then verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 1 said, and he hath put all things under his feet, meaning God is not worried. He's ruling over. Over it. He's on, he's put all things under his feet. I submit to you this morning a savior that's not struggling with the things that are overwhelming you, but he is in control of it, he is in charge of it, and he's waiting with open arms, telling you, just come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Stand with me this morning. I submit to you this morning a savior that's not limping along in life like we are limping. He's not worried like we're worried. He's not surprised like we are. His ways are higher than our ways. No matter what we're experiencing, God's in control. We're under the pressure of it. But God is that rock. Why did he use a rock? Because in order for a rock to be formed, it takes a lot of time. And there's two components that you, can, you have to mix with time. It's heat and pressure. When the pressures of life 
are pressing down on you. And you think nobody cares. He described himself as a rock because he's already been through the fire. And he's already been through the pressure. Because he's already the rock. And he's higher than us. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I don't want to make you nervous or uncomfortable this morning. But I just feel like giving this altar call in this way this morning. I, I believe there's some in this room that need to pray today. There's some in this room today, and you, you may know, some of us may not know, we don't meddle in each other's lives probably even enough. But there's family members and friends that are close to you this morning, and they know who's going through something. They know who's under the load, and some of you may be in the front and need to walk to the back or on one side and need to walk to the other. But I wish this morning that everybody in this room would find somebody that they would just take by the hand or wrap their arm around their shoulder and say, come on, we're walking to the front. I'm going to lead you to the rock this morning. Or maybe let's help each other get to the rock this morning. I wish you would come together in pairs and groups this morning and you would walk to the front of this room and just declare, I, I need to get to the rock that is higher than I. You may be stressed over it, but God is not stressed. I wish you would respond to what God is speaking and saying this morning. Lead me to the rock. Come on, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this altar this morning. Step up close to the front. Leave room for everybody. Come on, we got to get to the rock this morning because every step you take toward the front of this room is a step you're taking toward God. And the closer you get to Him, the smaller your problems are going to appear. And you, like Isaiah, are going to say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, but there's things in my life that I've got to remove and I've got to get closer to Him. God's in control this morning. Just get closer to Him. He is that rock. Jesus, Jesus, Come on, seek Him this morning. Seek Him this morning. Come on, He needs a yes from you. He needs a yes. Come on, seek the Lord this morning. Don't get caught up in the song. Don't get caught up in who's standing around you. Let's just seek the Lord personally today. Let's pray one for another. Let's strengthen one another today. All my trust is in you. Oh, yes. Open your mouth and let your prayer be heard today. Cry out.